Our Old Testament reading is Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. This is the word of the Lord. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek, my, seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you have not taken notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. It is a fast that I have chosen, a day for man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall, uh, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your mindset, the pointing of your finger and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fall. Those, uh, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, Thanks be to God indeed. Our psalm today is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And that all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dwelt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As for a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from the everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children 
to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Blessed the Lord, you his angels, who excel in his strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading today is Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. This is the word of the Lord. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in heaven in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're so incredibly grateful for this evening, for our family, for this place and this ability to come together to confess our sins and to, to be reassured of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending your son to suffer for us, to provide us eternal life. And Lord, we pray that, that all of these words we will impress upon our hearts and our mouths and our minds and we will carry them with us everywhere we go. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. As I mentioned before dinner, tonight begins the season of Lent. And as we discussed on Sunday at Sunday school, Lent is the 40-day period between today and Easter. And if you were to do the math, you would realize it's not 40 days because we don't include Sundays. Because Sundays are always considered a feast day for the Lord. But Lent is a season of reflection. As Pastor Yuri Brito says, Lent is a Trinitarian season, and the, Trini the Trinity is a communion of love, which means Lent is a season where we express love to one another within our community. It is a place to express love because we are in a season that is determined to fight sin for the sake of the body of Christ. I spoke that, about that before dinner, that, that we are here to be unified as one Catholic, small c, universal church, the universal body of Christ, unified together as brothers and sisters, all redeemed by the same Savior. This is why we reflect upon Christ's suffering and his journey to the cross in this season as we approach Easter. This is a season that remembers Christ's path to Calvary. It's a season where we repent, where we confess we forgive and where we reflect. And we reflect specifically upon the sufferings of Christ. And we do that so that we can feast, so that we can feast in joy in Jesus. It's a season of feasting and fasting. And we talked about this this past weekend, that in life, we feast and we fast. Lent is a training ground for feasting and fasting throughout our whole lives. It, it is the training ground of the royalty of those who are the adopted sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. I left this cliffhanger on Sunday. Do you have to give something up for Lent? What do we have to do? Do we have to give something up for Lent? This intentional act of self-denial. There's much that has been debated amongst the church and church men and church fathers over many centuries on whether or not that people should give something up for Lent a season of fasting from something, 
uh, one year, a number of years ago. Did we say it was three years ago? Three years ago, we had a, a spiritual discipline for the season of Lent for our family where we fasted from screens. We took a screen-free season. It was really wonderful, actually. But what happened after that season ended? We went back to screens. And, and while we have, I think, good boundaries around screen usage in the house, we went back to the thing that we had fasted from during Lent. And in the church email this morning, I sent out a link to a Lenten devotional. It's 50, or 40 prayers for the 40 days of Lent. It's from 2014. It's a CREC, published by a CREC church. It's fantastic. And in that intro, the author of that Lenten devotional says that we, we have... Uh, let's see. He doesn't... Sorry. I had another note in here that I wasn't going to read. The author of that Lenten devotional uh, that, that we have that I emailed to you, says that he doesn't think that these little fasts do much good in the long run. This idea, well, I'm just going to give this thing up for 40 days. You know, I'll give up sugar. I'll give up candy. I'll give up beer. Chatted a friend today at work that said he was giving up Valentine's Day for Lent. <laughs> Whatever the thing is, like this little fast. I'm going to give up this little thing. Because when we do that, it's actually just about like pious self-denial, truthfully. I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to tell all of you that I did this thing and I gave this thing up so that you all know that I'm giving this thing up and look how pious and look how holy that I am. But that's actually not the purpose of fasting in Lent. You see, a fast is a specific separation from something so that you can focus on something else. It's not denial for the sake of denial's sake. It's not self-denial for the sake of piety. Right? It is good to fast from things that cause us distraction. Right? And those fasts shouldn't actually be temporary. We shouldn't just reserve 40 days during one part of the year to give up things that cause us distraction from God. On Sunday, as I've mentioned a few times, I spoke about the cycles of feasting and fasting that exist in our lives, right? We, we fast so that we can appreciate and enjoy feasts. There are things that are good for us to fast from. Sexual immorality, super good thing to fast from. Sexuality within the marriage bed, good thing to feast on, right? Uh, other things, if you only feast on candy, you'll get the diabetes. If you don't eat any food at all, you will die. There, <laughs> there are things that are bad to feast on. There are things that are bad to fast from. But there are, there are things that are great to feast on, and there are things that are great to fast from, right? And so we need to be looking at these rhythms of feasting and fasting all throughout our Christian lives, all throughout the year. And Lent is training us for that. It's not just for this little period right now. It's part of the discipleship and the training program for all of us as we live our lives as Christian. Because feasting and fasting go hand in hand. Times of plenty, times of little. All of you know this. All of you in your lives have had times of plenty times of little, times of feasting, times of fasting. We see these rhythms in the church calendar. They are the rhythms of our lives. But what about this, this idea of intentionally fasting from food? People talk about having a fast day, days of fasting. Should we even do that? Is that a practice that we as Christians should do? Interestingly enough, there is only one commanded day of fasting in the Old Testament. Leviticus 16, 29 through 31. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, 
On the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. Jews would know this to be Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the only, the only commanded fast. Fasting has always been part of an atonement. When I was Jewish, a Jewish fast lasts 26 hours. It's sundown to sundown, and there's no water, and there's no food. There's no water, and there's no food, and there's nothing. And it's very, very legalistic. There's a whole bunch of rules. Yom Kippur, you can't wear leather, you can't eat these kinds of things, you can't drink, but if you have to take medicine, you can have a little bit of water, but don't enjoy it because you're fasting, and, 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 and. There are so many rules around fasting, legalistic fasting. But, but if you can separate the legalism, below that, below that legalism, there is something that, that can be acknowledged in that moment. We take all those rules that the Pharisees have put in place. You can all go one day without food. Everybody here. I don't like to, but everybody here can go one day without food. You, you'll be okay. There'll be some minor suffering. It won't be particularly comfortable. Usually at the end of the fast, I remember at Yom Kippur, it would be like 4.30 or 5, and I'd be like, man, I want, I want Eggo waffles. More than anything, like really terrible. They're not even real food. But I was made by science. I want Eggo waffles because things start to sound really good because you're, you're in this little place of suffering. But the whole point of that is that, that you're, there's self-control. There's self-control that you can choose not to do this thing. It's an outward acknowledgement that God is actually the one that sustains us. That He's the one that provides the things that we need. That He gave us the food that we eat. He gave us all of the ingredients here that Kristen used uh, the incredible cheat codes to make that, which is incredible. He gave us all of those things. It's this outward acknowledgement when I separate from it that it is God that provided us those things that sustain us. And what it is also a reminder is, it is a reminder that we have the ability to fast from things in life. That we have the ability, the self-control, to fast from things in life. That through God, with God, we can fast from things in life. We, we can fast from the temptations of life. Fasting from food is a reminder that we have the control to turn away from the sinful things. To turn away from the temptations. Because the reality is, we have to fast for the temptations that are put in front of us. And, and we use the control that God has and our strength through Him to be able to separate ourselves and fast from the things that we're not supposed to participate in. Paul says this in Philippians 4.13, I can do a few things. Nope, no, that's not it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He can do all things, not a few things, not one thing, not half of a thing. He can do every single thing through Christ who strengthens him. This is, this, if there's one thing the church in the, the broader world needs to be reminded of, is that Jesus Christ is the answer. That all things can be accomplished through Jesus Christ. There is nothing that is outside his purview and outside of his control. We all here can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so that's why I believe that fasting from food can have spiritual merit for us. But it must be done with the right mindset. 
And that's the, the, the passage that we just read, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad, can, a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You see, the Pharisees used to fast openly. They had had two fast days a week that they would publicly fast and they would dress in terrible clothes and they would walk around the market so that, oh, that's what it was like. Everybody knew that they were fasting. Look how pious I am. Oh, how's that pizza? I can't even have that today. I remember that. I, I acted like that once. I remember I was on a fast day. We had gone out with family and nobody else was religiously observant and none of them were, were fasting. And like we went to a pizza place and I went with them and I was like, oh, I'm fasting for God. It was this. It was this. It was this, you need to see me. Do you see how pious I am? Look at you heathens. You're eating pizza and I'm here, oh, torn clothes. Don't you see my piety? You see, the Pharisees wanted and the prideful heart wants people to know how pious they were, how pious we are, right? Look at us, we're fasting. That's not how Jesus tells you to do it. Jesus tells you when you fast, nobody should know you're fasting. (laughs) You don't do it for show. You you don't make practices to to tell the world how pious you are, like humble bragging about your piety. Oh man, I fasted so much. I've given up so much. You should see all the things. What did you give up for Lent? Oh, that's all? How's uh, How's your salvation? right? It's, it's, it's humble bragging. It's all rooted in pride. This is the self-denial we are supposed to get rid of. The self-denial we're supposed to have, not get rid of. This is the self-denial we're supposed to have, the humility that we are supposed to have. It's not denying ourselves in piety. It's acknowledging the fact that God is who provides us everything that we have. You see, sometimes, unfortunately, our spiritual practices become merit badges on our Christian sashes or our patches of piety so we can wear them around and everybody can know just how holy we aren't. Look how penitent I was in this season of Lent. I am very repentant. I'll tell you how much too, just so you know. But see, that's not what Jesus tells us. Jesus says, you need to do this in secret. Wash your face. Don't show the external markers. Don't appear to be suffering to men. Instead, even in your fast, radiate the glory of God. Radiate the glory of God even when you're fasting because you're not doing any of these things for your own glory. See, even fasting from your temptations isn't actually about you. Even fasting about your temptations isn't actually about you. It's about following the path that God has laid before you and, and doing what he told you. Denying yourself to follow the path that he has placed in front of you. And you do it because it's not about you, it's about him. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And fasting can have profound impacts when it's done in the right manner. The separating yourself from something allows you, when you go to the feast on the things you're supposed to feast on, it makes them richer. It makes them taste better. It makes them sweeter. Right? If, if you're fasting from food, even when it's an ego, how sweet is that first bite? Can you imagine if you haven't had water for an extended period of time 
and then you get nasty water, but it's water. Can you imagine how sweet even the gross water is when you haven't had water? See, fasting from our, our temptations and fasting from the world's worldliness allows us to taste the sweetness of our faith in, in the richest ways. When we fast from our own personal desires and our own personal wants, when we, when we fast from making life all about us, and when we, we live into God's commands, we get to actually experience the joy. We experience the real joy of the Lord because it makes those things so much sweeter. I think it's good to occasionally fast from food. But you should do it so that you can be in prayer. Not, not to disfigure your face and, and look like you're not in joy so everybody knows. But, but it, it should be a place where we focus and direct ourselves deeper into the provision that the Lord provides us. We are all so fortunate here. Every one of us. And, and all of us have probably had some financial struggles in our lives, right? But we are all still so fortunate. Look... Look at the roof we all have over our head right now. Look at the food that we just ate. Look at the clean water that we can drink. Look at the available health care that we can get. We are so incredibly blessed. The bounty is in front of us. Fasting allows us to acknowledge how bountiful the world that God has provided us. It allows us to appreciate the feast so much more. We get to radiate more joy. We get to savor the things that Christ's death has purchased for us, which is eternal life. It's eternal life. These boundary markers that God has given us are not like, like burdensome limitations. They're the bumpers on the sides of the bowling lanes that I need because I stink at bowling that allow me to enjoy bowling more. Actually, I haven't used the bumpers in a while, but maybe I should. We get to experience the joy of the Lord in the feast when we fast from the things that God has told us to fast from. And, and where it really helps us, this idea like you can go one day without food, you see, we have this tendency to magnify our suffering. Our suffering's real. And, and suffering sucks. It's hard. It's heavy. The bottom of the pit can feel like a lonely place when you're looking up and you don't feel like you have much of a pathway out. But our suffering, our suffering is minuscule compared to the suffering of Jesus. That's just a reality. Our suffering is minuscule compared to the suffering of Jesus because he was holy and he was sinless and he was perfect and he had to die the most painful death for us. His suffering and this reflection on his suffering during this period puts our suffering in perspective. The road to the cross reminds us that while our lives may experience peril and pain, there's hope. When we fast, it should draw us to a deeper understanding of the goodness and the mercy of the Lord that fills our lungs with air. He fills your lungs with air. He is the one that gives you life. He gives you physical life and he gives you spiritual life and he has given all of you new life. Like that's not like some spiritual concept. It's reality. You are new creations. You are not the creation that you were before you knew Jesus. You are a new creation and you have eternal life. You are an adopted son and daughter. We're going to talk about adoption this Saturday at the outpost, Westminster Confession of Faith 12. Peter Lightheart says that fasting and prayer cast out many demons. You see, when we fast, and we do it in the manner that Jesus has taught us to fast, we are acknowledging that it is God that provides for us and not the devil. 
we can cast out demons when we acknowledge who our real sustenance comes from, who is really in control. Isn't that a good enough reason to, to implement fasting and prayer into your spiritual disciplines? Fasting is important, but it isn't for show. It isn't for your glory. It isn't for your piety. It's a reminder of the bounty that is given to, the, to us, those who are in faith in Jesus Christ. The blessings that only come from Him. You see, I think sometimes people can feel like, you Reformed folks spend a whole bunch of time talking about sin. We do. We acknowledge, we acknowledge the root of our problem, but we don't stay there. Acknowledging that, that we all come with the same problem here manifests itself differently for each of us, but we come with the same problem. We are looking for the same solution. And we have that solution. The acknowledgement of our sin provides us the deep knowledge of our salvation. The fasting allows us to rejoice in the feast. Our fasting lets us be truly joyful in the feast that God provides. And that's why our service tonight includes ashes. Our tradition is to take the palms from Palm Sunday from last year. They lived in the garage on a shelf since then. And we burn them. We take those palms and we turn them into the ashes that we use tonight. These ashes are a reminder of our sin. They are the visible sign of contrition over sin. 2 Samuel 13, 19. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. Esther 4, 1. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out in the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. Job 2, 8. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Jonah 3, 6. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in his ashes. And there's so many more verses. Ashes were always a part of the sacrificial system. They're a reminder. Leviticus 4.12 the whole bowl he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn it on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out, it shall be burned. Numbers 19.9. The man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place and they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for the water of purification. It is purifying from sin. You see, use these symbols not because they're things to be worshipped not because they hold magical powers. There's no Gnostic knowledge in these things. They are symbols. They're a reminder. We use reminders in our lives all the time. One of the things, and those of you that come to Christ Church know that I've said this a lot, that makes me sad is that in, in our turn from the, the heresy of the Roman Catholic Church and our turn from the heresy of the Eastern Orthodox Church, sometimes we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Like, well, it's tradition. Those guys do that. We don't want to look like those guys, so let's not do that. But tradition is important. Symbols are important. The, 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 the natural creation of God is full of symbols. Read James Jordan's Through New Eyes, and you'll see layers and layers of symbolism that exist within God's creation to remind us of Him. 
They remind us of him. These are symbols. They are just merely symbols, not things to be worshipped, but something that helps us focus our eyes on Christ. And in this season and this night, it's a focus on our sin, on his suffering, on his death, which gives us our life and our glory, which is in him. Our fasting and feasting cycles connect us to the rhythms and the cycles of life, which connect us to Jesus Christ. They connect us deeper to our Savior. That's why this season we reflect on the road to the cross. We, we focus on the restructuring of our lives around the rhythms of feasting and fasting. I, I spoke about this before dinner, about finding the imbalances so that we can shed them to feast deeply in Christ. Everybody here has had imbalances or maybe has imbalances now, right? Things that pull us away from living a life of all of Christ for all of life. So, so during this season, as we reflect and we confess and we repent, we do this so that when we arrive at Easter, we arrive at Easter, we can rejoice in the victory of the cross. Shout on, pray on, we're gaining ground. Like, the cross is victory. And here's the beautiful thing for everybody here. We know the ending. Like, think about how blessed we are to live right now. God, God has laid His covenant out before you and has told us everything. He's given it to us. And so this season prepares us to truly rejoice in the victory of the cross when we will feast at the proclamation of Christ's rising. I pray for all of you that if you haven't fasted before, that you take some time during this Lenten season to try it. To spend that time in prayer and reflection. I pray that it's never legalistic, but that you, you incorporate feasting and fasting, especially fasting this season, as an important part of your life. Fasting from food, so you know that, that you can do that. But also, fasting continuously from the things that take you away from God. You don't have to, to give up social media for Lent. You should give up social media because it's bad for your soul. And you should give it up permanently. You should, all of you. But don't just do things because they're like these little mini legalistic, but we pretend like they're not legalistic things like, I'm giving this thing up. And then after the end of the 40 days, woo, I get to do the thing again. If that thing is such a distraction in your life, don't make it a little fast. Fast from it. Remove it from your life. Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When we fast, when we fast, on the things that Jesus, fast from the things that Jesus has told us to fast from, we can truly feast on the goodness and the mercy and the gratitude of our loving God. We go through this season, the thing that should be in the forefront of our mind as we think about Jesus' suffering and we think about the road to the cross is the paradoxical nature of our God is that he loved us so much he sent his perfect son to die in our place, to die the death that we should have so that we can live a life that we couldn't have without him. Only the ultimate judge can justify us, his enemies, before him. He's the only one that can make us clean. Jesus' sacrifice ended the sacrificial system. He was the perfect sacrifice. We've been talking, you and I have been talking about the Old Testament sacrificial system for a couple weeks now as you've been working through it. You, you start to see how it was literally a bloody mess. It was literally a bloody mess and it never, never could atone. Jesus' work is finished. It is finished. And we're going to talk about that when we get to Good Friday and when we get to Easter
So as we reflect upon the road to the cross, we should be thinking about our good and our loving God who sent his son in our place. That's what should draw all of us closer together. Should, should knit us tighter as a body of Christ. That God sent Jesus to die our death, to put death to death, so that all of us could be alive, could be born anew in him, not just right now, but forever, forever to all eternity. Let's pray. Father, we are so incredibly grateful that you sent Jesus to die for us. And so, Lord, we pray as we reflect on this season of suffering, of Christ's journey to the cross, that you impress that heavy, that gravitas on our hearts. Not so that we live in misery and we look like the Pharisees joyless, but actually, Lord, that we can live in our joy deeper, that we can feast greater, not for our glory, but for your glory. So, Lord, as we have this season of fasting, may it, may it increase our feast, may it increase our dependence and our reliance upon you, May it draw us closer to you, closer to one another, allowing us to love one another and to love our enemies and to grow the kingdom of God here and now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.